I think the worst thing that could ever happen for me would be to get to the end of my days and look back and go, what did I really do? We made a lot of money. We spent a lot of money. But did we really enjoy life or did we just exist? Welcome to the Abundant Couples Podcast. We are your hosts, Cassidy and Matt. And we're here to help you, awesome growth-minded human, create the most flourishing relationship that you know is possible. In this podcast, we'll dive deep into topics of relationship, intimacy, and lifestyle freedom. We believe that a great relationship is fuel for everything else in your life. So let's jump in and get fueled up. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the podcast. I hope you're having a fantastic day. And if your day is less than fantastic, then I hope listening to this episode today will make it just a little bit better. I really enjoyed this conversation that you're about to hear. It was with Robert Riopel, and he is an international best-selling author, app designer, entrepreneur and trainer who has spent the last 18 plus years traveling around the world sharing his passion. He has also shared the stage with and trained many of the top trainers and thought leaders in the world today. With his high energy and heartfelt style, Robert draws on his journey from humble beginnings to financial freedom at the age of 32 to inspire individuals into tapping into their greatness. Realizing that he is not the only person that struggles, Robert's clues open up individuals to the possibilities that lie within them, and that is why he is a highly sought-after presenter. This episode is packed with awesome information and so many great insights, so I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Welcome, Robert, to the show. I'm so excited to have you here. Oh, me too, Cassie. I am, you know, especially being a fellow Canadian, I love being able to do podcasts with people here in Canada that are helping a lot of people. So I'm, I'm excited to be here. Oh, yeah. And it was so funny just before we hit record on the episode, I was looking at Robert thinking, you look really familiar. <laughs> I swear, I think I've seen you speak before. So I, you know, named some of the conferences that we've been to over the years. And sure enough, I have seen you speak before on a stage in Toronto about uh, personal finance and financial freedom and all that fun stuff. So cool coincidence and cool crossing of paths here. Yeah, it is such a small world, right? And it's amazing how the world does come together and how small it is. So I love that. Yeah. So I would love to hear um, a little bit about what it is that you do and why it is that you're passionate about teaching people about, you know, their financial health, basically. Well, you know, everything, in a, I think for a lot of people, um, Cassidy, it comes from the own experiences of what people go through. And that's definitely the case for myself and my wife as an example, because, you know, here in Canada, in Alberta, we were taught when we were raised, find a job. If it gives you security and a consistent paycheck, and even if you hate it, you do it. That's how you support your family. And so starting young age, that's what I would do is I'd go and I'd work. And, but by the time I'm 21, I'm now being laid off from the third company I'd worked for. And I'm like, what's going on? I'm working hard. I'm staying loyal. Why do these companies keep shutting down? 
And we were in one of those economic downturns at the time. So I couldn't find what people might consider a real job. But to support my family, because I'm a newlywed, I decided to do something. And I started delivering pizzas for Domino's Pizza. And because of my work ethic, and it's funny, at 21, Cassidy, I was the old guy for drivers. You know, all, <laughs> most of the drivers, 17, 18 years old of age. Right. So at 21, I was the old guy. And because I knew they wanted to party, I was able to get a lot of work um, closing shifts. And I started making more money than I did when I was in what you, people might consider a real job. Uh, and because of my work ethic, I became a manager. My wife then became my assistant. And we got into that rhythm of working hard, open to close seven days a week. And a year and a half in roughly, we found out our franchisee wanted to sell the store. Both of his stores that he had, and he was getting out of Domino's. We went into a bit of a panic mode because for us, we saw it come again. Now both of us are going to lose our incomes because we knew the new owners would want a new management team. And so my kind of philosophy was, hey, why don't we go and we'll phone all the other um, franchisees in Calgary where we were living at the time. Let's find another store to manage. And my wife's like, well, why would we do that? We're qualified to be franchisees. Why don't we just buy the store? And I'm looking at her. I'm like, because we don't have any money. That's why we don't <laughs> buy the store. Like, hello. And where I was raised to be that in the box thinker and not think outside the box, don't question the box. My wife, who's the youngest of five children, raised by a single mom, she was taught to figure it out. And so we started making a lot of mistakes, trying to figure out how could we buy the store uh, if we didn't have money. And every time we made a mistake, and I don't th see things as mistakes, I see them definitely as learning curves because we learned what worked, what didn't work. And after about four months, we now had the confidence and knew what to say and how to say it that our bank actually gave us, didn't give us the financing for our store. It gave us 100% financing for both the stores my franchisee wow. had for sale. And Amazing. we became, yeah, and we became franchisees and we're like, oh, we're now successful. <laughs> However, what we realized very quickly is one thing to know how to run a store, completely different on how to run a business. Because right. now mm -hmm. accounting, advertising, staffing, payroll, all this stuff that we'd kind of been doing in a management role, but not to the extent. And it took us a couple of years of just sheer tenacity before we got it kind of figured out and started doing pretty well. But as we did better, our mindset was we got to keep up with the Joneses. We're successful now. And we started mm -hmm. buying all the toys. And by the time we were franchisees for eight years, we are now over $150,000 in personal debt and going down quickly. And that's actually when we were introduced to personal development and the program where you would have seen me. We walked in um, in June of 2001 over $150,000 in debt, stressed out beyond belief. And we learned, first of all, why we were in debt. More importantly, we learned to take ownership and responsibility for our debt, quit blaming other people. Mm -hmm. But then we also learned, here's some practical skills that we could do. We walked out of there and because of the stress level we were at, we knew we had to take action. And so we put into practice what we had learned. And also we were able to go from being that $150,000 in debt to actually retired completely financially free nine months later at the age of 32. And that changed our lives. And our minds went, wow, if this information gave us that result, what is more learning going to do? And we became just avid students learning from as many people as we could, because I'm a big believer, don't just learn one way. Learn from as many people as you can. And all of a sudden, I found my passion. My passion was to teach others. 
because here's how it started. I believed if I could even help one person, one person do what my wife and I had been able to accomplish, go from financial debt to financial freedom, it'd make it all worthwhile. And because of that start, 20 years later, not to age myself, <laughs> but here we are, I've now personally trained over half a million students around the world in three to five day trainings, up to 12 hours a day on stage in all these different countries, up from 100 to 6,000 students at a time. And that's kind of been the journey. That's the long, short version of it. Amazing. And the cool thing is seeing these ripple effects, right? Like hearing your story, um, you went into that same seminar that I did learning about um, you know, how to get your finances in order, how to think about money, right? And then you use that information to go change your life. And then you were inspired to go and share that. And then I learned from you on the stage teaching that same information. And that changed our lives, that seminar, where we really, we still read those affirmations. We have them uh, we're now driving the Tesla that we envisioned back then. And we have oh, wow. those little cards, the, the little wallet cards sitting on our yeah. te Tesla dash. And we read those affirmations still. And it, that, I mean, that was just one of the pieces, but that was a very transformational piece going to that seminar and really thinking about how do I relate to money? How do I relate to wealth? Like what's my relationship? What's my money blueprint? And starting to unravel these things, create more empowering blueprints, more empowering yeah. beliefs. Um, so it's just really cool seeing that ripple effect, right? That, that you were the one on that stage when I was there. And then here we are now doing a podcast and who knows who will hear this, what they'll do with it and who they'll inspire to, you know, take control of their lives. It's really and cool. And see, I'm lit up right now because with goosebumps all over me, because that's one of the people say, well, Robert, what's one of the greatest things you love about the training? And I say, it's when I talk to a student and they say, remember when you said this, or when I learned this, here's what it's done. And here's how it's transformed my life. And I just do, I get lit up because it's one of the greatest feelings. And so obviously you guys took action because, and here's what's interesting about that Cassidy is when my wife and I, we were in Calgary for a lot of years and we've always wanted to move back to central Alberta where we met where we grew up. And just over three years ago, we bought a beautiful executive acreage that we now have that we live in. And um, Red Deer, which is in the city in the central Alberta that we live near, they were actually were able to host the Canadian Winter Games a couple of years ago. And my wife and I took the whole month of February off to be volunteers. And because we love to volunteer, we love to give back, we love to be of service. And so I was in what was called the carpool or the motor pool. And our job was we had like 95, 96 vehicles and we would take officials from their hotels to the different venues, you know, wherever they need to go. And I'm, we're, while I'm sitting, a lot of downtime sitting in the trailer where, with other drivers waiting for a call to come in and who's up next, yada, yada, yada. And I'm talking to this guy and I'm getting to know people and, and he's, you know, like, you know, so what is it you do? And I'm telling him a bit and he goes, wait a second. I said, what? He said, when did you do that training as a student? I said, it was in June, 2001. He goes, where did you do it? And I said, right over at the Western Grounds in the Harvest Building. And all of a sudden he got this look on his face. And I said, what's wrong? He goes, I think I was in that exact same class as you back in 2001. I said, oh, cool. And then he goes, and you're telling me if I had actually done something when I left, I could be where you're at today instead of struggling like I still am? And I looked at him and I said, I think you just answered the question. And that's yeah. what I've noticed. It's been confirmed again 
all over the world where I travel, it doesn't matter your culture, your upbringing, your beliefs. The biggest difference between success and non-success is successful people take action. And that sounds like what yeah. you guys have done. Yeah, definitely. You know, that was something we learned early on. It's like, it's not what you know, it's what you do about it. Knowledge, I mean, knowledge is great. It's interesting, but it's not very useful until you do something with it and actually, and not just do something once, but create habits, implement these yeah. habits on a daily basis, right? Use the power of compounding um, to really to really change your life, right? You don't, yeah. just like you don't get fit working out for once for five hours, you, you don't, you know, you, <laughs> That's you gotta do a little bit every day. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So cool. So what, um, I guess I'd love to hear about what are some of your biggest tips for somebody looking to, you know, to get on track financially and more importantly, to create the mindset and the circumstances to thrive long-term financially. Wow. You just opened up Pandora's box there, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> and well, Been you know, right in there. one of the first things is um, you have to be willing. You have to be willing to have tough conversation with yourself and your family. You know, that was probably the biggest thing for my wife and I is, is we sat down during the training and after it and said, okay, we have all these expenses. What don't we need right now? Sure, we may want it. Sure, we may like having it. But what would serve us to get financially free if we were to, you know, downsize and, and get rid of it? Because this in today's, especially in today's instant society, everybody can get things so quickly and they want it now. And it's really getting in that mindset of, as you know, you were taught, rich people think long-term, poor people think short-term, that instant gratification. And so my wife and I, when we sat down to have this conversation and we were looking at all of our expenses, one of the things that we looked at is, you know, our one store that we had at the time was just outside of Kelowna, BC, and it was on the lake. So if you live in a lake area, you got to have a boat. So we bought a <laughs> boat. And an interesting thing about that was, is our boat sat and looked pretty in our driveway because the boating season was our busy season in the store. So we were always in the store working. So we never got to use the boat, but boy, did we have the expenses for the boat. And someone taught me just a few weeks ago, do you know what boat stands for? What's that? Break out another thousand. No. <laughs> because, and it is so true because every time we'd want to go use it, something always needed to be repaired or whatever. So we had all those expenses. So we sold the boat. You know, we, um, successful people have two vehicles, right? So we had two vehicles, but again, we're working together all the time in the store, only using one vehicle, but we had two vehicles with all the expenses. So we were willing to take a hard look at our finances and our expenses and ask ourselves, what don't we need right now? And because of that, that got us really well onto our path to financial freedom. And today, Hey, I could pretty much buy any boat I want, but we've realized the amount of time we use a boat, it's actually way cheaper to rent a boat and the kind of boat we need in the moment. Cause maybe I want a pontoon boat with a barbecue one time. Maybe I want a ski boat another time. So now it's actually cheaper for us to rent a boat than trying to own one on our own. And so those are some of the realizations we came to. I'd just love to reflect on that. So one of the things, um, talking about like getting really clear on all of your expenses currently, like that was a 
that was a mind-blowing experience for us as well. We were very similar kind of situation, actually. Like we had been together uh, running a painting business in college, in university, and then we um, started investing in real estate soon after that. And we we were hustling, we were working really hard, and any money we had was going into real estate and not much was coming out. That's how it goes in the beginning. <laughs> and um, and we were racking up a lot of debt and we, we were kind of like, we own some properties now. We own like five properties. Why don't we have any money? What's going on here? Um, but when we sat down and actually tallied up our expenses, like print out all of your statements from the past few months, go through line by line, account for every single item. Cause the mind, if you're just doing this mentally, it's very easy to breeze over some of these things. Oh yeah. And when we did that, we were like, oh my gosh, <laughs> there's a lot, like we're spending way too much money for what we're bringing in. Um, so I just want to highly recommend people to do this practice wherever you're at financially. Like it's a great thing to refresh often you know, yes. constantly take inventory. Yeah. yeah. And, and so call powerful. it a, you know, call it a, a cash um, audit, you know, or mm -hmm. an expense audit, but, and, and on the same side, also do a time audit. You know, that's yeah. just as powerful as well because people don't realize, you know, and that's something we can talk about, you know, a little bit further down is how much people, how busy they are. They don't have time, but they become really good at being busy, not so necessarily good at being productive. And yes. then they wonder why they're so tired. Um, another great key is something we had said earlier in, in this talk is the responsibility part. Mm -hmm. You know, the moment I took responsibility and my wife and I took responsibility for our debt, it wasn't like, well, I was good at blaming people. They lost my investment. It's because of them this went wrong. And I realized that was giving away my power. And the moment we said, you know what, we're the ones that decided to give them the money to invest. So obviously we're the ones that started and put it in place. We have to take responsibility for that. And the moment we did that, we started doing more due diligence. It wasn't just, oh yeah, that sounds like a great investment. Here you go. Here's the money. How much do you need? Yeah. It was like, okay, let's check it out. Why does it make sense? What's the risks? And, and every investment, as you know, Cassie, every investment has a risk. doesn't matter if it's giving you 1% return or a thousand percent return. What's risky about it is your lack of knowledge or your lack of understanding. So we started saying, if this is what we're going to do, we want to understand it so that we're making better decisions. And if we lose money, and let's be clear, I still have losing investments. If someone comes along and tries to tell you that every one of their investments is a winner now, run quickly in the opposite direction. Yeah. And so, but my wife and I have learned how to get out of an investment quickly if it starts to lose. So, and with no emotion, because it's become that here's the systems, here's the indicators, here's when we get in, here's when we get out. Like, think about cryptocurrency. How many people are going through the emotional roller coasters watching Bitcoin price every five minutes? That'll oh, yeah. drive mm -hmm. you freaking crazy. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. So, having that responsibility and taking it is another big, big one for people. Yeah, huge. And I mean, the thing I love about thinking about money is that everything we do in our money world is so applicable to the rest of life as well, right? It's like money is such a great teacher because it's a tangible reflection of how we 
are in the rest of our lives. Like how we do anything is how we do everything. So the way we approach our money, yeah, the way we approach our money, whatever issues show up there, you'll, you got to be sure they're showing up other places too. Um, So I love this taking responsibility because it's, that's a powerful thing in every area of life. And in, in the finance world, you can really see the benefit when you start to take control and take responsibility. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Totally agree. Amazing. Um, I also wanted to touch on, I, when you were talking about the boat and you mentioned you went from, you had the boat that you owned and then you decided to, you know, just rent it instead and get the experience brings up this piece around what we like to talk about it as financial integrity, like aligning your finances with your values and what experience are you after? Like what, yes. you know, why did you get the boat? What experience right. are you after? How do you want to feel? And then spending your money in that way. It, without a, a doubt. And, and that's a key one because like in my new book I'm writing right now, um, I have what's called the four currencies. And the currency that I focus on the most is the currency of experience. Mm-hmm. And because what do most people do? They sit there and they're either so far in the future of what they think they want. How am I going to get there? They get overwhelmed or they're so far in the past hanging on to, well, this happened to me or because of this, that's why I'm where I'm at, that they forget to be present and actually experience life today. And so everything that we do today, even if it's humdrum, even if it's boring, I'm always asking myself, okay, what's my experience going to be? Because doing that brings me back to the present moment. I think the worst thing that could ever happen for me would be to get to the end of my days and look back and go, what did I really do? We made a lot of money. We spent a lot of money, but did we really enjoy life or did we just exist? And so when we talk about the currency of experiences, what are you doing to create the experiences? And then that, like, I love that you're talking about it. We are holistic, your mental, emotional, spiritual, physical, and financial, all of those come into play. And so when you talk about the experience, now you can sit there and go, okay, um, yeah, you know, this weekend we got family coming over. Uh, do we want to go on the lake? Okay, if we do, let's rent a boat. And now it goes to that, okay, what kind of experience do we want determines what kind of boat we rent. And so it all plays together there because we're now creating something that we will remember in a great way necess- um, instead of like, yeah, what, didn't we go on a boat a couple of weeks ago? What? Yeah. I th- yeah. I don't, I, whatever. <laughs> that's, mm-hmm. that's a cool thing. Experience life, ladies and gentlemen, and watch what that will do to get you curious to even create a greater life. Yeah. And then that will get you creative in how to do it because that was kind of the other thing is, and this is another piece of advice on how to get your money in line. Use your vision boards, put those dreams together so you can see what you truly are passionate about having so that it inspires a creativity to create the situation to be able to do it, whether financial, health-wise, whatever it is, it gives you that thing that you get to see, a tangible that you can go for, that gives you now the passion to say, I'm willing to go and do you know, the different things maybe I don't like doing, but I know the end result is what I really want. And, and I'll kind of tie that into, um, because I've trained thousands of trainers around the world, one of the questions I get the most is people go, Robert, how can I do what you do? You travel around the world. You're seeing all these amazing countries. You're in front of all these people. How can I do that? 
And my answer for them is simple, Cassidy. I say, if you want to do what I do, you've got to do what I do. Yeah. And that's all the boring, mundane, frustrating, ugly behind the scenes work that has to be done so that when I'm on stage and traveling, I'm in that phase where people are going, wow, he's great at what he does. See, and that's the part most people aren't willing to do. So what you've already talked about with the finances and taking, you know, how many people do you think cringed when they heard you say, print out all the statements for the last few months and go through line by line? It's painful. It is. And so that's where people go, and that's one of the biggest reasons they wouldn't do it. Well, guess what, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to be right up front with you. If you're not willing to do that, then any kind of financial success you get is going to be temporary because you're going to sabotage yourself. So you've got to yeah. be willing to do the behind the scenes work. Totally. And if you feel that resistance, when you think about looking through your bank statements and categorizing things, that's a very good, what we like to call a reverse indicator. That means there's something here for you to learn, move toward it because <laughs> you know, the idea the obstacle is the way, like if, mm-hmm. if your money has a power over you where you're stopped from even examining it, that's a great reason to go and examine it. So yeah, if you're, if that makes you cringe, if that makes you feel uncomfortable, that is a great indication that this is something that uh, would be a great time to do. Yeah. To have the sexy life, you've got to have, be willing to go through the unsexy life. Oh yeah. Cause they all go together. And, and a kind of an example of that, if I may give an example of what, um, what I'm talking about is last year before BC, before COVID, <laughs> because <laughs> BC, I was flying on average 200,000 miles a year around the world mm-hmm. and doing trainings. And now, you know, since COVID, I've gone to zero. I'm excited in a couple of weeks, I'm going to Florida to do a live training. I cannot wait. But um, nice. well, in January of 2020, my first trainings of the year, I was in Germany for a three-day weekend. And then the next week I was in Sweden to do the same three-day training. And when I went started training in full-on in 2004, I ended up overliving my passion. I was training so much that I was actually only at home on average two days a month. And I did, in a four and a half year period, I did over 200 multi-day trainings. And so I got burnt out and I decided to take a year off, which turned into three and a half years. And one of the reasons was because I hadn't been taking care of myself on the stage and I herniated a disc in my back. And so I went through two back surgeries during that time. Mm-hmm. And so when I came out of retirement, I had made a lot of adjustments to make sure that I wouldn't have, you know, cause I will not go, I'll tell you this. I choose not to go through another back surgery. So I take very good care of being aware, but sometimes my back does act up. And if it gets, starts to get tight, I'm very aware of my body. I know that going for a walk, slowly at first, but then walking fast loosens my back up and I don't have to worry about medications and stuff. So when I was in Germany, I finished a full three day event, 12 hours a day on stage. And Mondays are always my day off to do whatever I want. Sleep in all day. If I want do nothing, if I want no business, that's my recovery day or what I call a freedom day. And then Tuesday, I will then fly to the next country. So I flew to Sweden and I stepped the wrong way on some ice and I felt that I tweaked my back. And so it's like, okay, I need to go for a walk, but they didn't have a fitness center in the hotel I was in. And with it being outside, icy, trying to walk, I was hurting it more. And I knew 
that if I didn't give myself permission to take two and a half days and lie flat on my back and do nothing, and I'll tell you, my wife was on the phone a lot, kicking me my ass back into bed because I was trying to push it too quickly. If I didn't take that two and a half days, then there's no way I was getting back on stage the next Friday. And I had an audience waiting for me. And this is the side of things that when people, especially with our social media, they look at the glamour and they go, wow, I want that life. Because it's so easy to post the great things in your life. And then what do we do as humans? We compare our crap to the great things that we're seeing online and we wonder why we're miserable. Mm -hmm. And so first of all, out of this, here's what I want people to do. Never compare yourself to anybody else. Never. Just ask yourself, am I one step closer or further than what I was um, yesterday? And if you are, celebrate. So only compare yourself to where you're at. And two, again, go for that sexy life that you want, whatever that looks like. But understand and be willing to do the behind the scenes work because that will then make it more permanent for you instead of just an instant success that's gone, you know, a very short time later. Yeah. Excellent advice. So good. Um, you touched on what I think is a super important piece of this all is the self-care part, you know, of, of, and I'm sure hearing your story and from my own experience, you know, it's so easy to be focused on what you're trying to do and just go, 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 go. And then, you know, you get smacked <laughs> upside of the head and end up burnt out. And yeah, so I, I definitely went through those periods of like all in and then needing to take a break, all in, take a break for a while before I learned, okay, same thing like we were talking about before. It's the daily habits. It's the consistency on the fundamentals. Am I sleeping every night? A nice, big, great sleep. Am I eating well every day? Am I meditating every day? Like developing these habits and really taking care of ourselves. Um, it might not seem directly related to our finances, but it definitely is. We are our number oh, yeah. one asset, right? Mm -hmm. and, and, and one of the keys to that is think about when it comes to finances, what is wealth rule number one is pay yourself first, which is a yeah. great rule. But here's my question. If that's important for money, then when it comes to your time, why wouldn't you pay yourself first on your time? And here's what I mean by that. Um, you know, I mentioned that on a Monday after an event, that's, I call it a freedom day. And one of the things that my wife and I do, it's, it's, um, there's what's called four phases of life. And one of the phases is called the pamper phase. And it comes back to that saying, you cannot give what you do not have. So if you're not taking care of you, how can you truly take care of others? And in the pamper phase, this is where it's like, what can I do for me? And sometimes it means you have to be selfish. And sometimes you have to be creative because on my calendar, as an example, my wife and I, when we go to schedule and do our calendars, we pull out our phones, we go to our calendars, which we live by now. And the very first thing we put on our calendars before anything else is time for each other, time for ourselves, time for family, time for going for walks, massages, all the things that rejuvenate us to pamper us so that when there's work to be done in one of the other phases, we can do that work be tired, but not burnt out. And so we pay ourselves first with our time, which makes a huge difference. And I encourage people to do the same thing. And so when I say you have to be selfish, especially if you're a parent and you're like, but my kids, they're, 
I have to be with them and I have to do this. It could be something as simple as 15 minutes where you go just sit down and just take a few deep breaths for yourself. Or I love using the app Calm because my mind gets very busy. So when I need a break, I'll put my earbuds in, set it to 20 minutes. I love the sound of water. So I listen to rain for 20 minutes and it just allows me to quiet my mind, become refreshed. So it's not like you have to go, okay, I'm going to, I need my time. I'm going on a five day holiday. You know, it's not having to be that. So be willing to be selfish. And then the second thing, when I say be creative, people would ask me all the time, they'd go, well, Robert, why are you flying around the world? Why are you going on these flights that are 10 hours, 12 hours, 14 hours long? And number one, because I love traveling and I love seeing the world and meeting all these new people. But the other reason is a very selfish reason. When I hop on that plane and I sit in my seat, that's my time. That's my time. I don't do work. I watch all these other people around me doing work. I don't do work. If there's Wi-Fi, I don't even connect. I read because I love to read. I watch movies because I love movies. Eat some good food, drink some great wine, and I get some rest. Because I know the moment I land for the next three to five days, I'm on stage giving, giving, giving. So if I don't take care of me, how can I expect to fully be able to give to my students? Totally. And, you know, it's easy to think about that kind of taking care of ourselves as selfish, but as the example you gave of the busy mom, right? Would you, would your kids rather have the burnt out, stressed out version of mom, or would they rather have the relaxed patient version of mom? Exactly. (laughs) And it doesn't take, like you said, hours. It doesn't take a, a long trip. It's the small things, taking these small pauses. Um, and I think also paying, having the awareness to pay such close attention to your state moment to moment to recognize when, okay, I'm getting a little bit overwhelmed or tired here. Let me just take five minutes and reset yes. or 10 minutes and reset. What do I need right now? Um, it's as, it can be as simple as that, right? Um, and that is, don't overcomplicate yeah. it. Keep mm-hmm. it simple. Yep. As with everything. <laughs> yeah. So our show, Abundant Couples, right? We we talk about relationships. We talk about finance. We talk about lifestyle design. Um, mm-hmm. And hearing your story, you're similar to us where you, you and your wife have been together a long time from a young age um, and you've worked together. It sounds like most of that time. Is that the case? It is. Yeah. From the moment um, I became a manager at Domino's Pizza. So we'd had separate jobs when we first got together, like as an example, and I am blessed this way. My wife and I, we met when we were 13, started dating when we were 16, got married when we were 19, and we just celebrated our 32nd wedding anniversary this past June. And don't do the calculation on how old I am, Cassie. Okay. <laughs> and, so, and so in the beginning, we both had separate jobs out of school. And then when I started delivering pizzas, when my franchisee he sold his store and bought two stores in a city in Calgary, Alberta, an hour and a half away from where we were. And so I wanted something more permanent. And I asked him if we need a manager. And he said, sure. We talked for a couple hours. And because again, my work ethic, he said, you leave in two weeks. Well, when I moved up, one of the things I said is, look, in the two weeks between now and moving, can I get some experience in the store? I've been a driver. And his answer was, oh, you'll get lots of experience when you get there. Now, picture this. 
I walk into a store and again, I'm now 21, almost 22. And my assistant manager is 17. He's been working at this store since he was 14. And when I walked in, he said, I just want you to know, he says, I'm Mark, I'm your assistant manager. In my three years I've been working here, I've watched 42 assistant managers and managers go through this store. Whoa. You're not going to be here long, so I'm not going to listen to you. Wow. And I was just like, nice introduction, right? And it was on one of my first Friday nights of running a store where I, had, I didn't know how to do a food order properly and I had messed up. And we're running out of food in the middle of a Friday supper rush when you're making up to 100 or more pizzas an hour from scratch. And I'm calling all these stores. My wife came up from Red Deer because during the weekends, she'd come up to, so we could look for a place to live there. And she was packing up while she was back home during the week and all that. And, you know, I'm phoning all these stores and I finally find people that can sell me some food. And I said, look, I got to go pick up food and Roxanne just help wherever you can. And so I leave and I come back and I got the food now. And my wife goes, come with me. I'm like, why? She goes, we need to talk. So we go to the back and I said, what's going on? She goes, the moment you left, Mark was bad mouthing you all the way. I can't believe he doesn't even know how to do a food order. What makes him think? She says, you need to get rid of him. And being a smart ass that I am, I said, and who's going to be my assistant manager? You? And she goes, if that's what it takes, but he's going to be poison to this store if you don't get rid of him. I took in a deep breath. I called him back and I said, um, I'm giving you your two weeks notice. He's like, you can't do that. And I said, I just did. Said, you're done. And, you know, my wife became my assistant. And from that moment on, we've worked together all the way through since. You know, when we sold our store and I started training, as I became the first trainer for my mentor, she became one of the first logistic supervisors running all the back of the room. We're training up to 60 volunteers at a time. So, yeah, we've been very blessed that way where we've um, worked together almost completely our entire marriage. Very cool. That's the same timeline as us. We met when we were 13, got together when we were 16. We're still not married. We've been engaged for a few years, but you know, we'll get there. <laughs> I'm like, no timing is a little different nowadays, I think for. <laughs> yeah. <exactly. laughs> um, so in all these years of working together, creating, creating your life together, right. As intentional creators of your life and as creators of your financial reality um, together, what are what are some of the biggest lessons you've learned in your relationship um, when it comes to working together, creating your life together? Well, most two most important words in a relationship for any man, yes, dear. Those are the two <laughs> most important words. <laughs> and, you know, actually, in all seriousness, it's um, because we are each other's best friends, soulmates, you know, she's just, she's my everything. And I have no problem admitting I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for my wife. Because left to my own conditioning, I'd be in a job still miserable, but I'd be comfortable. And one of the gifts she gives me, and I'm going to frame it this way, and I, I hope people understand the importance of this, is one of the gifts she gives me is she's not willing to let me play smaller than I am. Even when that means she has to kick me in the ass to do it. And of course, I'm always open and receptive to having those conversations, right? Yeah, no, I can be <laughs> miserable. I can be miserable. But because we have a commitment to each other with this gift, every marriage has its ups and downs. And our agreement is that we'll get through it. We'll work it out. And especially working together. Not a lot of couples can actually work together. 
So we have found ways to, you know, this is business, this is personal. Do they intermix sometimes? Yes, you can't help it, but it's how do you react to it? How do you then smooth it out? How do you fix it? And so it's just a lot of things like one of the um, things we learned a lot of years ago that took us to a whole new level. We were married, I think, 13 years at the time. And we, um, we had a good marriage, always had, but our communication wasn't always the best, especially when there was a lot of energy behind the communication. And <laughs> when we started on our journey of learning, one of our, the teachers that we came across when we went to one of his trainings, he taught, taught us a great way of communicating back and forth. And especially when you're heated in an argument, then we um, kind of institute this, this new rule where now that we're, okay, we know we both have a lot. And what causes most arguments to blow up even more is as one person's saying something, the other person is justifying and yelling back and it, not a lot gets accomplished. So it's simply saying, okay, if I'm going first, my wife listens and I say whatever I need to say, I keep going. She cannot say a word until I say I'm done. And the moment I say I'm done, then the reverse roles go into place. It's now her turn to talk. And a couple things happens on this. When you're first in a very heated energy, each person's going to talk for a long time before they say they're done. But all of a sudden, as now I get that energy out and I say I'm done, and all of a sudden she does a response and her replies, and, and I can't say anything, I, my mind may be going, I got to remember that point. I got to remember that point, you know, because it's what our <laughs> mind does. But all of a sudden she'll finish and then I'll come back and it'll get, take shorter, then shorter, then shorter and shorter until it's only a few seconds is, and you notice the energy dissipate. And that's a practice that has made a huge, huge difference in the last 19 years. And so that's a great little tool for um, couples, whether you work together or not, because now it's a, a respect. And it gives the person time to say what they want to say. And a lot of times, because you're not trying to respond in the moment, you'll let the energy go from what you wanted to say. And you say it in a different way if you still mm -hmm. even say the same thing. So it's, it's a practice that made a huge difference for us. Yeah, I love that. I mean, we all want to be listened to, right? We all, we all want, we just want to be heard. And uh, mm -hmm. it's such a gift to give our partner our actual presence and listening yes. um, and, you know, having like putting a timer on and saying, okay, you, we each have two minutes to say our piece and then, you know, going back and forth or whatever it is. Like, that's such a great practice. And we, we love to do that even if it's not um, a heated thing, even if it's like we want to share appreciation about each other. Let's see, let's put on a one minute timer and we'll each share for a minute yes. all the things we love about each other. Um, yep. And Having um, the container, the framework of um, like the time limit, the the structure of the back and forth is a really great way to like just relax, let our minds relax and be fully present with each other. So I, I love yes. that. I love that and, idea. And another key of that too is when you're doing this, it's also owning your comments. It's not, you did this. It's because of this, that you made a mistake. It's, you know, here's how I perceived it. Here's why I'm feeling this way. Because to me, it seems like you, when you said this, this is what you meant. And when we go on into um, attacking where the other person's going to take it personally, but when we own it, then that clears up miscommunications. Like if my wife says something to me, like, well, you may, it made me feel like this when you said that. 
And I might be like, wow, that was not my intention. But I can see how you may have taken it that way. And I, I am so sorry. That's not what I meant at all. And now you can say it with sincerity and it clears up a lot of some of that miscommunication because unless we actually speak our truth with compassion, we can just go on forever assuming what the other person meant. Mm -hmm. So that's another kind of piece that adds to it as well. As and you it comes back, comes back to taking responsibility, right? The, like we were talking about earlier with your financial world, like yes. taking responsibility for the position you put yourself in, taking responsibility for the way you're feeling. Like, not that you made me feel like this. It's when I heard you say that, this is, yes. this is how I feel. Um, so again, how we do anything is how we do everything. So these yeah. are all principles that we can apply everywhere in our life. Um, and then yep. one more thing that you said about, um, you know, that your wife pushes you to, you know, not play small to, to be your best. And I love that. It's, you know, this, that's what I think is the most beautiful thing about relationships is that we have the container of trust and safety where we can give each other that extra nudge and mm -hmm. we see the potential in each other more than anyone else. We know what the other is really capable of. And so like we're, yeah, continuously pushing each other just a little further and supporting each other along the way. Right. Like really yeah. with them. Um, always with love, of course. And, and that's it. And, and because when you understand that it's not a maliciousness to it, it's, it's just, even when that gets heated, it's like when you step back and you real, and I've looked back at past situations where I, I, you know, I can't believe she was so tenacious about that. And all of a sudden I take a deep breath and I see the results when I say, finally went, yes, dear, and did it. All of a sudden it's like, wow. And I have to thank her for having the willingness to stand in her power and not back down. And it, that's, it's a big key because again, I would not be here talking to you today if this, if she wasn't willing to do that and stand in her power. Amazing. Cool. So how about for people who are switching back to finances here, by the way, <laughs> um, for people who are in a position where out in the West coast, for example, you know, the house prices are crazy and it's happening all over the place where yep. it's becoming quite challenging for people to get into the housing market for their primary residence. Um, so I'm curious what advice you have for people looking to put themselves in a position to, to buy a home and to be set up well for their future. I'm, I'm going to give advice that a mentor gave to me a few years ago. He says, you know, you make a living from nine to five, whatever your nine to five job or business is, you make a living, but you create your life from five to nine in those few hours that you have each day after you've been earning a living, what are you doing to create the life you truly want? And are so are you, you know, and I'm not going to say don't, watch TV because I love TV. And if I was to just cut off the TV, I'd self-sabotage because I'm not allowing myself that energy of something I enjoy. But if you're a person that comes home and you're so tired and you just sit in front of the TV and do nothing, then you might want to ask yourself, will cutting it down help me? And so does it mean getting a side hustle? Maybe you start something part-time to earn an extra income. 
whether it's a job or a business or even like network marketing. One of the reasons I love network marketing is an example. It's got a system in place that if you start part-time and you follow a system, you can do very, very well. But like any business, you've got to treat it like a business, right? So what are you doing from that five to nine? And my wife and I, the first house we bought, to give you an example of that, we were already working seven nights a week managing a Domino's pizza. And we decided we wanted to buy a house because we were living in a little um, basement suite and we wanted to um, buy our own home. And we found a real estate agent that you know was going to show us some houses in a new development. And it was just a little 1,050 square foot house. It was what was in our price range. And back then, the interest rates were a lot higher too, which you know <laughs> it was crazy. I think we ended up paying 9.75% interest wow. on our mortgage, right? And so... We ended up buying the house, but we didn't have a down payment. We had three months to come up with $5,000 down payment because at the time, being a first-time home buyer, we needed 5%. The house was just under $100,000. Yeah, it, people go, I wish a house could be that cheap nowadays, but that was also 30 years ago, yeah. right? <laughs> and um, so being the people that we are, we said, okay, we've got three months. How are we going to earn that extra income? And what we decided to do is we would close the store either at midnight or one o'clock. That was our closing times, depending on weekday or weekend. And then we were doing that seven nights a week. Six of those nights a week, we'd leave from the store. We'd drive to the Calgary Sun newspaper, load up 1,400 newspapers in the back of our truck. And until eight o'clock in the morning, we'd be delivering them to all the lock boxes and drop boxes for the um, newspaper delivery boys and the coin operating boxes. We deliver out 1400 papers till eight o'clock in the morning. We'd go home, pass out for a few hours, get up, shower and do it all again. And we were doing that six nights a week for $50 a night, both of us working our butts off. But guess what? In that three months, we raised the down payment. So for people that are looking to say, get into a home, here's a question I'd ask them. What are you willing to do? How badly do you want it? Are you willing, really willing? And, and that from doing that, we've used that creating your life in every other part of our life since. If there's something we really want, we don't go, I can't afford it. We go, how can we? And all of a sudden the creativity comes in and we may do another side hustle that allows us to earn the extra income or whatever it is. And I look at where I am blessed to live today and I go, you know, that's obviously worked for us uh, as we've gone along. I love that question. How can I afford it? That was one from Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Mm -hmm. When I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, that, that was the biggest thing that stuck with me, I think, from that book was instead of, I can't afford it, how can I afford it? It's turning on the creativity. It's the same thing like if you have, you don't like something, well, instead of complaining about it, ask yourself, what do I want? Mm -hmm. there, Rather than wasting energy resisting reality, let's go, okay, that's what the, that's the reality. Now, what do I want? And all of a sudden your creative mind is turned on and you can actually go do something, get into action, right? So I love exactly. that question. So yeah, so if you, if you are sitting there having a thought about your finances or anything else in your life, but you know, in the realm of finances thinking, oh, I could never buy a house with these prices or you know, I can't pay off my debt or can't get ahead of this or whatever. Switching the 
question, right? Turning on your curiosity and your creativity by asking, how could I? Because there's always a way. It might- There is. There's always a way. And then you, you, you see how could I? And then am I willing to do that? Right. If you're willing and, and to that's do it. it, go do it. And that's why you've got to also, you've got to keep learning. You've got to keep educating yourself so that you have the awareness of what your comfort zone is. And as you know, in real estate, and I'm sure because you guys have bought a number of properties, the creative financing, some people would go, I could never do that. And, you know, like as an example, they're like, oh, I need an extra down, um, money for the down payment. And this person's willing to lend it to me, but they want 10% interest. I'll never do that. And then I'll look at them and go, okay, um, are you paying your credit card off every month? What interest rate are you paying on those? Oh, you're paying 22%. Oh, I get it. You'd rather pay 22% to a credit card, but you wouldn't even think of getting a loan for 10% that'll help you achieve something you really want. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Real estate, there's so much you can do create creatively. Like that's when we got started, we didn't have any money to invest and we were 18, 19 yeah, 19. So we could have very easily just, we went to the, you know, rich dad seminars and we very easily could have gone uh, you know, that we can't do this. This is for people who too like, young. have a job that they can, yeah. they can qualify for a mortgage and they can get, you know, they have money saved up and they can, but thankfully another part of that training was that whole philosophy of like, get creative. There's always a way, you know, what are you, what are your strengths? What do you have to your advantage? And for us at that time, it was, we have time, we've got energy, we've got hustle. So let's, you know, make something happen. Um, yeah. So there's always a way get creative. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, okay. So as we're coming toward the end of our call, I am curious about, are there any other tips that have been most transformative for you and for your clients around finances? Maybe, maybe in particular around the financial mindset there's anything yeah. that you wanted to explore there? Well, you know, for me, I have a little formula. It was actually one of the original titles of my first book that I wrote that I was going to use. And it's my formula that I call three, two, one rich. And of course, when I'm talking about rich, I'm not just talking rich in money. I'm talking rich in all areas of your life. And that formula comes down to this because this is what helps people the most is first of all, quit trying to do it on your own. Mm. Quit trying to do it on your own. And so the three stands for have three coaches in your life. It could be like a success coach, a business coach, mindset coach, uh, maybe a, you know, a spiritual coach, health coach, whatever it is, have three coaches in your life. Relationship coach. Yes. (laughs) Have three, especially. Yeah, absolutely. Have three coaches in your life, have two mentors in your life. Now, I'm only going to give the definition of my difference between what a coach is and what a mentor is. So a coach to me is someone who asks the questions, holds you accountable, gives you the task, and, you know, kind of helps guide you for what you want. A mentor is someone who's accomplished already what you want to accomplish. And so they're just, they're not there to coddle you. They're not there to ask you the questions and really find out what you want and hold you accountable. They're there to say, if you want to get where I'm at, do this, do this, do this, do this. And so because I've trained thousands of trainers around the world, as an example, when I take on a mentoring student, it, we're very clear. We set the context. You know, this fee is for one year. And in that time, I'm going to give you a task. 
until you actually go and do the task, you don't call me again. So if you do it right away within a week, then we have our next call. But if it takes you three, four months because you can't get off your butt and do it, don't call me. And your money's already spent. That's because a, a men- Well, and because and, here's what I find. Unless people are invested, they don't get invested. <laughs> and, and so if, and if someone goes, well, Robert, I haven't talked to you in a few months. Have you done the last task? Well, no, I don't need to, the reasons. I, did you do it? Yes or no? No. Then get it done if you want to talk to me again. Because again, that's now conditioning them to do and get that habit, to get that tenacity to get done what they need to do. When I'm mentor, being mentored, because I still have mentors in my life, as long as it's legal, ethical, and moral, if they sit there and say, Robert, if you want to get to the next step, do this and do this. I don't sit there and go, really? How come? How's it going to benefit me? I just go, okay, on it. Because that's what a mentor's for. So three coaches, two mentors, and then be part of at least one mastermind. Again, coming back to quit trying to, you know, when, um, when uh, Napoleon Hill, he coined the phrase in 1925 in one of his first books, Mastermind Groups, when he in 37 released Think and Grow Rich, and he really expounded and said, this is what masterminds are. That was a huge shift in everyday people getting to realize what rich people were already doing. And so having the power of other people's perspective, it triggers your mind in different ways to go, oh yeah, what about, oh, I can do that. And the creativity, you know, because as Einstein says, he cannot solve a problem with the same mind that created it. But that's what most people are trying to do. So having that mastermind, that allows you to exponentially grow what you can accomplish. So especially for the young people just getting started that are listening to this, do you have coaches that you're willing to pay for? Again, if you're not invested, you're not invested. Well, Robert, I don't have money. Then find a value you can do in exchange so that there's an equal exchange of value or even a greater. You give a greater exchange to get what you want. So do you have coaches? Do you have mentors in your life? And are you part of a mastermind? You do that. And in my opinion, Cassidy, you become unstoppable if you create the habit of having that in your life. Amazing. Yeah, that's been our our best investments have been courses, coaches, you know. Um, yeah, it's you can never <laughs> you can never get too much wisdom, too much knowledge, too much uh, accountability. You know, it's always um, well, unless you're just taking it in and you're not putting yes. it into action. Then you can. <laughs> yes, true. Yes. Yeah, if you're not doing anything about it, then stop reading right now and go get your butt doing something. <laughs> right. Because I know people who have all these letters behind their names because they've been yeah. in school for decades. And it's like, and what have you done with your life? What are you actually using? Well, I need a little more learning. No, you don't. The learning you need is to get out into the real world and do something. That's how you're going to learn next. Put into practice what you've actually been learning. Yeah. And especially, you know, if you're not sure what those next steps are, clarity comes in action. You know, sitting around, gathering more information, trying to figure it out, trying to put a plan on paper. Like, you're never going to you're never gonna get it figured out until you start moving I love the analogy of like the headlights in a car, right? You that your headlights in your car, you can see, I don't know, what, 50 meters or something. You only see that next stretch and right. you don't know what's beyond that next stretch until you just drive and then you see what's next. And you just got to take those first steps, trust that you'll figure it out and, uh, and you will, as long as you exactly. decided you will, you will. <laughs> That's exactly yeah. it. That's exactly it. 
Amazing. So uh, wrapping up, I have one question that I love to ask all of our guests on the show, which is if you could suggest to our listeners one habit that they could start implementing that would help them live the life they want to live, what would that be? I would say that would be the habit of being you. Be authentic in who you are. Um, and, you know, I believe, and this is just my belief, Cassie, that the greatest gift anybody can give this planet is to show up for who they are. And people are either going to like you or they're not. And if they like you, that's awesome. If they don't, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> because I look back when I was, you know, I was a professional people pleaser. And I look up back at my life when I was trying to please people and be something I wasn't to try and make them happy. And I look at the energy I wasted, the time, no wonder I was, you know, exhausted. And the moment I chose to say, this is me world, like me or don't, I have no attachment to that and I have no control over it, nor do I want it. This is just who I am. The moment I came from that view, the people that are attracted into my life for my energy and loving me for who I am blows me away. And so that's what I'd recommend to everybody. Not everybody's going to like you. There's eight, almost 8 billion people on this planet. I'd rather you just be you, whatever that looks like, and be amazed at the people that will show up because they go, I like you for who you are. So the habit of being authentic is probably the greatest thing. I love that. You know, there was a sign in the office of my elementary school that had a Dr. Seuss quote on it. And it stuck with me from a young age, <laughs> sitting in that office, looking at that sign, be who you are you and are say what you mean, what you because those who you mind don't matter. Don't and those who matter don't, don't mind. Don't mind. I love that quote as well. Yeah. So good. It's like, oh, that like as a young child seeing that, I was like, wow, that, that changed my life. So thank you to whoever put up that sign in my grade school. <laughs> office. <laughs> Love that. All right. And Robert, where can people find you if they want to check out your stuff, see what you're up to, follow along? Yeah. You know, I'm on social media. My assistant tells me I'm on LinkedIn and Instagram, uh, which I <laughs> didn't used to be, but I'll tell you, Hey, when I finally got an assistant, my life changed and my social media actually went very, very well to where it is today. Cause trying to do it myself, I was just like, why am I banging my head against the wall? But I am, mm -hmm. I do have a fan page on Facebook. I am on LinkedIn. I am on um, Instagram. Um, also though, you know, you have been so generous, Cassie, to invite me to be a guest on your show. And I believe one of the greatest gifts that we have is our time. And the fact that you've taken your time to invite me, I really honor that. And even more importantly, the, your audience that's listened to this interview, they've taken their valuable time. And so what I would love to do from us to them is that they simply go to robertriopel.com, just my name, R-O-B-E-R-T-R-I-O-P-E-L.com. They are actually going to be able to download the entire digital copy of my first book, Success Left a Clue, as our gift to them. And now I will tell you, though, it does come with a caveat. It does come with a caveat. Um, I released this book in 2017, and it became an international best-selling book because I've been all over the world with it. And um, this book, I did not write it for people to read, put it on the shelf and make it shelf help. That's not why <laughs> I wrote the book. Oh, good. You got my joke. I wrote it. Because I cover six steps in the book of creating the life you want, step number three is taking action. Something you and I have talked about so much in this interview. And so I actually wrote it as a workbook. There's action steps all the way through it. 
And I even say, did you do the last action? If not, stop reading right now. Go back, do the action before you read any more. Because I do know people are creatures of habit. And I guarantee your audience, if they download the book, read it and do the work in the action steps, they will take their lives to another level. So I'd love to give that as a gift for them taking their valuable time to listen. I really appreciate that. That's awesome. And I'm going to go get it myself and start working through it and doing the work because, uh, oh. <laughs> yeah, you know, and no matter how many of these things, uh, we do, there's always something new to get out of it. There's always something yes. a little bit different that we pick up on each time, each time we go through. So really appreciate that and really appreciate your time, your generous uh, giving of your time here. Um, so many great things you shared in this conversation. It was such a pleasure and I'm sure our audience is going to have some great takeaways from that. So thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you, Kathy, for having me. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating and a review and share it with the people that you care about because we can all use a little more love in our lives. Until next time.